Father, we, we do have things to rejoice and celebrate during this difficult time. As we see things unraveling around us, and it, it can bring confusion, it can make us wonder, but one thing that we do have certainty of, and that is the gospel. We know that the gospel is the answer for our lives individually, for our families, for our communities, for our state, for our nation. And Lord, um, as Jesus said in this sermon, that we're to be salt and light. And I pray that, that we would take that to, to heart and desire to be that, not just believe in the gospel, but live in the gospel in our lives and to the people that are linked to us in our lives. So Lord, we thank you that we're here. I thank you for the people that made the effort to be here, to be out in the sun, because they want to. And So take your word and work it in our hearts. I thank you for the love that's in this church. I thank you for the desire to grow in your word and the desire to, to come together and be edified and encouraged in every way. So we just give you this time to teach us, Lord, as we study your word, this important sermon that Jesus gave on that hillside 2,000 years ago. It's a sermon for us, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So Matthew chapter 6, we do uh, find ourselves in what is called the Sermon on the Mount, as Jesus is talking about kingdom living. And we as a child of God, we are learning how it is that we are to live. Uh, Jesus declared in the beginning of this sermon that he didn't come to abolish the law. He didn't come to, to do away with the law because the religious leaders, hearing Jesus as he began his ministry, he's teaching. And, and the people are marveling because he's teaching as one with authority. Uh, he's performing all kinds of miracles. And so they would want to know, those scribes and those Pharisees, where Jesus stood on the law. So he says, I didn't come to abolish the law. I didn't come to do away with the law, but I came to fulfill the law. And Jesus fulfilled the law in living a life perfect. He's the only one that has ever lived on this planet that lived a perfect life. Everything that he did, everything that he said, every decision that he made, every thought that he would think was in perfect submission and in harmony with the Father. And Jesus fulfilled the law by the life that he lived. He fulfilled the law by going to the cross and dying for you and for me. You see, the law says this, that every single one of us have sinned. There are people today that think that they're going to be able to stand before God and to be able to proclaim their righteousness. I was a good person. I was a good father. I was a good parent. I was a good uh, person in the community. I did good things. And, and to be able to declare their righteousness and their declaration to make it into heaven. And that won't work because all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. That's part of the gospel message. And the only salvation that any man or any woman has is to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And you see, it's important for us to understand that's why Jesus went to the cross. He went to the cross to die for you for me, for you specifically. And he fulfilled the law by taking your sins upon himself, the wages of sin is death, and taking on the wrath of the Father that you and I deserved. And he died on that cross as he hung between heaven and earth. And then he cried out, it is finished, as he made atonement for our sins. He was put into a tomb and he rose again, and he's alive and he conquered sin and death. He is our salvation. Listen, there is none other. 
and as we talk with people, it's important for us to give them the truth that salvation comes by faith alone in Jesus Christ, not in anything else or no one else. It is humbling your heart and recognizing your need for the Savior of the world, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. As Jesus said in that upper room, no one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus, in this sermon, would say to his disciples that came up to listen to him, he would say that your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. They would be aghast. They, they would think, who could be more righteous than those religious leaders? And you see the point of the Sermon on the Mount, you see trying to live the Sermon on the Mount, people say, well, I'm a Christian because I live the Sermon on the Mount. Well, none of us live it perfectly because Jesus is talking about some very difficult things. He's talking about the heart. And that sin begins in the heart. Murder begins in the heart. Adultery begins in the heart. If you're angry at someone, you committed murder. If you hate your brother, you committed murder. If you lust after another, then you are guilty. And Jesus' point in the Sermon on the Mount is we need him. So he fulfills the law by living in our hearts and helping us to live a life after him. And he says, your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. You see, he's talking about it isn't just the external, but it's the internal heart. And as he is talking to his disciples, and the multitudes are making their way up the hill, and they're beginning to listen to Jesus, that he says to them that you are to let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. He's talking about how we are to give, how we are to, to live, and, and not so that we can be seen by men and then we get glorified. Hey, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrite that prays on the street corner and everybody oohs and ahs. When you give, don't be like the Pharisee who blows the trumpet and gets everybody's attention. You're to do it with the right heart in secret. Your Father will reward you. And Jesus continues to talk about having a heart that is right because here's the thing. None of us can do these things in and of ourselves in our own efforts, in our own religiousness, in our own striving, it is only done by the work of the Holy Spirit that is in our lives as we abide in Christ, as we believe in Him, as we're trusting in Him and walking with Him. So Jesus continues with this sermon about kingdom living. We've gone as far as verse 16 of Matthew 6, that moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear to men to be fasting. And assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting. But to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret, will reward you openly. So the Pharisee, again, they would, just as they did with their giving and with their praying, drawing attention of men, they would do this with their, their fasting. And, and as they would fast, they did it traditionally, history tells us, and that they would do it on Mondays and on Thursdays. And what they would do is they would give the appearance of mourning. So they would put their, you know, tattered robes on. They would 
sprinkle ash on their heads. They would look all gaunt. They would go barefoot, and they would go into the marketplaces there in Jerusalem where the people were buying food, and they were standing there at the entrance, and the people would see them and say, oh, look at Mr. Pharisee. He's so spiritual. He's sacrificing for the Lord, and, and look how uh, he's fasting. And it was to draw attention to their religiousness, and, and Jesus says, don't do that. He says, when you fast, notice that he didn't say, if you fast. He says, when you fast. You see, fasting is a principle of we deny the physical so that we can focus and, and really give attention to the spiritual. Fasting is, usually we, we keep it in the context of eating. But fasting can be you fast from social media. You fast from, uh, you know, the Internet. You fast from uh, whatever things that you can give so much attention to in the physical, uh, in our flesh, uh, give attention to, to just put it aside and say, Lord, I want to hear from you. I'm going to fast from this food. I'm going to fast from this time of being, you know, on the internet or on social media or whatever to hear from you. To, to be in that place of being sensitive to hearing your voice and seeking the Lord and drawing close to Him. And Jesus says, when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, and brush your teeth, and don't advertise that you're fasting. Don't be a hypocrite. And again, that word literally means to be a pretender. It's where we get our word two-face. And, and, and it is good to fast. And the whole desire, again, in fasting is to draw close to the Lord. Lord, I need to hear from you. So you can read Isaiah 58. It's, it's a good uh, subject to, to talk about and for another time. But Isaiah 58 really gives the heart of fasting. And God sees you when you fast. And the Lord's going to bless you. He's going to reward you. And then in verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But you lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So after Jesus talks about, you know, praying and fasting, after he talked about uh, giving, uh, after he talks about um, how, you know, you go into the secret place and pray, the Lord hears you. Uh, he's beginning to talk about earthly treasures and heavenly treasures. And our Lord says, don't lay up for yourselves just treasures here on earth because it will come to an end. As he talks about it, he's talking about storing up your treasures in heaven. In other words, invest in the kingdom. So a great investment tip for all of us, invest in the kingdom because the rewards and the returns are eternal. And Jesus here went on to say, where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be. If you focus on the treasures of the world, if you prioritize laying up treasures here on earth, that's where your heart is going to be. Jesus wants us to put our treasure in heaven. And he knows that our heart is going to follow. Now, Jesus in that, as uh, some have suggested, uh, is not condemning saving money. He's not saying that you can't plan for retirement. You can't save for your kids' educations. You, you shouldn't leave an inheritance to your children. Matter of fact, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22, declares that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. 
the greatest inheritance that we can leave for our children and our children's children is a godly inheritance. But there's nothing wrong in doing that and being a good steward of what the Lord has given to you. Being a good steward of, of our finances. We're told in scripture to do that. And I mention that because I had a guy a couple years ago that he would come up and he would just argue with me about Jesus said, store up your treasure in heaven, not on this earth. So you should, should not save any money. You shouldn't save for retirement. You shouldn't save for your kids' braces and all of that. And, and that's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus does condemn covetousness and materialism and greed and trusting in earthly riches rather than trusting in God. Just living for yourself. Just living to, to get more for yourself. And we see that with Luke chapter 12. You see, Jesus told a parable of the rich fool. Good things were happening to him. He was successful. The crops were coming in. And I'll read it to you. And a lot of you are probably familiar with that parable. But in Luke chapter 12, at verse 16, then Jesus spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store up all my crops and my goods, and I will say to my soul, so you have many goods laid up for you for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is going to be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and not rich towards God. So Jesus talking about a certain man who was very successful. He would be seen as successful, uh, be envied by the world. Uh, he would be pointed out by the world. Uh, he'd be successful in the eyes of so many. But God's his assessment of this individual is that he has lived foolishly. He's a fool. This night your soul's going to be required of you. And then whose will those things be? And he was a fool because, listen, he was saying, I will store up all of these crops. I will build bigger barns. I've got it made. I, I will do it, and then I will take my ease. And, and I'll be in good shape. And, and I'll eat, drink, and I'll be merry. You see, the tragedy of the parable of Luke chapter 12 is that the rich man, not that he left behind all the goods when he died. That's not the tragedy. Rather, the tragedy is this, that when he died, he only lived for himself, and he did not live for God, and he was not rich towards heaven. He was too busy prioritizing and planning and building towards that which is temporary rather than that which is eternal. You can see the heart of the rich man when you read that parable. I will build bigger barns. I will store up my crops. Uh, I will take my ease. Uh, I will say, eat, drink, and be merry, whatever the case may be. He had an eye problem. And he wasn't rich towards God. And God was not in the picture. And again, nothing with plant, wrong with planning or saving. We, you know, we encourage uh, all the time as we read the scriptures, we're encouraged that we're to be good stewards of what God has blessed us with. But I do want to say this, that everything that we have here in this life is temporary. And it's going to go away. And what have we done to invest in the kingdom of God? 
as he continues, uh, I want to make a point first before we continue in verse 21. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, he didn't say where your heart is, there your treasure will be. He said where your treasure is, there your heart will be. In other words, if you're putting all your treasure into the world, guess where your heart is going to be? It's going to be in the world. If your heart isn't towards eternity, if you're not interested in investing in the kingdom, then you're not going to be excited about eternity. You're not going to be excited about heaven. And here we're told to keep a proper perspective. All the things, as I've mentioned, in this world is going to go away one day and burn up. And again, I'm not saying that we can't enjoy the things that, that we have, be thankful for what we have. We're to be good stewards for what we have, but to always remember that it is temporary. And if we hold so tightly to our worldly possessions and allow it to be the priority of our lives, then that's where your heart's gonna be, is in the world. But Lord, when we say, I want to bless you, I want to bless others, I wanna store up my treasures in heaven, as you do that, that's where your heart is gonna be. It's gonna be towards the Lord. And we won't hang on to things so tightly of the world. So it's keeping a right heart and a right perspective. And he continues in verse 22, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So a natural flow here, what Jesus is saying. He just talked about treasure, storing up riches for the kingdom. And now he's talking about the lamp of the body is the eye. Matter of fact, Proverbs chapter 28, verse 22 declares that a man with an evil eye hastens after riches and does not consider the poverty that will come upon him. You see, the phrase evil eye in ancient Israel was used to, to speak of somebody who is greedy, full of covetousness, living for self. The idea of a good eye, and we're not talking physical here, we're talking spiritual, speaks of a heart that is generous, that is single-minded towards the Lord, will be content. And when we are content, and the Bible says that we need to learn to be content, isn't that interesting? Because we have lived in, in a culture and a society, we can be so discontented. I want more of this. I want that. I'm not going to be happy unless I have this thing. Madison Avenue bombards us continually that you are not going to be fulfilled or satisfied unless you have this position, unless you have these things, unless you have this status, whatever the case might be. We are not going to be fulfilled and satisfied truly in our hearts and in our souls if we are not living for the Lord. Because many of us, we have seen people that seem to have it all in the world, the status, the wealth, the popularity, the prestige, the power, and they are miserable. They are miserable. Because they don't have Jesus. And we were created to fellowship with him and those things will leave you empty over time. So he continues telling us something very important in verse 24. For no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, when it comes to serving, 
we serve different things. A number of people, you who are parents, you're serving your kids, each one of those kids. You who are working, you, you serve a different amount of people. You provide service for them. You have a business. As a, a pastor, I serve a different amount of people. Uh, the sheep that come to our church, the staff here, we're here to serve you. And that is a priority. What Jesus is talking about here is he's saying that you cannot have two masters. You cannot serve two masters. He's talking about riches, and materialism, and wealth. What's your priority? Is it God or is it mammon, which is another word for, for money? And you see, again, to remind you, there's nothing wrong with having money. If God has blessed you with abundance of money, there's nothing wrong with that. That's not a sin. It was Abraham, a friend of God, who was wealthy. Solomon, who had the wisdom of God, who was wealthy. David was wealthy. He had a heart after God. Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man, he would give up everything to take the body of Jesus down from the cross and prepare his body for burial to put it into his tomb that had never been used. And he lost the status. He lost his popularity. He lost his position. He gave everything because Jesus was the priority. So the question is, what's our priority? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says that it's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. And whatever you love and whatever you and I prioritize in life, that's what you're going to end up serving. You cannot serve both God and mammon or uh, you know the things of the world. It won't work trying to serve two masters. Jesus said, you'll love one, you'll hate the other. It reminds me of what Elijah said to the children of Israel, um, to the nation of Israel uh, there at Mount Carmel. He says, how long are you going to, you guys, falter between two opinions? If the Lord Jehovah is God, then follow him. If Baal is God, that false God that they were turning to, then worship him. But they were going back and forth, and they had, you know, uh, Jehovah and Baal worship and all this going on. It's kind of like, are you going to live for the world, or are you going to live for the Lord? And it's a miserable place to be when you falter between two opinions. When you're thinking, you know, I'm going to prioritize the world, you got a foot in the world, and... and you're not comfortable there because you got the Lord in your heart. And then uh, I'm going to live for the Lord, but you got the world in your heart as well. And it's a miserable place to be, to falter between two opinions. What is your priority? And you're going to end up making a priority, either the things of the world and living for self or the Lord. And the Lord is telling us how we can have true joy and blessing and goodness how we can be free from the stuff of the world. And if you haven't noticed, the world is really messed up right now. And John, at the end of his life, the apostle of love, he says, that this is the love of God, that you keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. And every commandment that we're reading here Listen, this is important. And great is the day when we make it our own. That every commandment of the Lord is an expression of his love for you. Because he loves you so much. And he doesn't want you to get hurt 
by living in sin, pursuing carnality, going down that road because it will lead you down a road you don't want to go, and it will hold you in bondage, and it will defeat you, and you'll feel empty in your life, and his commandments are not burdensome. He doesn't give us commandments to be a killjoy in our life. Please, this isn't, oh, Pastor Jeff, he's preaching live for the Lord. This is what the heart of Jesus is. And if you live for him, and you have a heart that says, I hear what you say, Lord, and I want to make it my own, then you're going to experience the abundant life that he has for you, a life of peace and joy and closeness with him, which you were create, created to do, to love him walk with him to just have the joy of the Lord in your heart if you live for the world it's going to leave you disappointed and it's going to leave you defeated and empty and so here he's saying you can't serve two masters store up your treasures in heaven that's what you're to do don't store up your treasures here on earth again there's nothing wrong with saving and being a good steward but we want to store up our treasures in heaven and invest in the kingdom of God. And as we do, good things are going to happen now and in eternity. But if mammon is your master, it will end up enslaving you. And that's why it's important for us to keep a proper perspective on every area of our lives, whether it comes to money, how we serve, our devotion, you know, as we pray, as we live for the Lord to live for him because that's where we're going to find true victory and that's where we're going to have true freedom aren't you so glad that we have this book given to us we don't have to walk in the darkness and deception of the world we can be free but any of us that prioritize the world in any area of our lives it is not going to turn out the way that you think or hope well you might have joy for a little bit it might be satisfying for a little while, but you'll end up being empty. And so Jesus, he's going on, and as he says here, he says, I say to you, do not worry, in verse 25, about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. We're going to stop there because when we pick it up here next week, he's going to talk about how he provides for us. And don't worry is what he's going to emphasize. I think that's a good word for a lot of us. Because perhaps over the last few months, and, and you know, you've had those seasons where you've worried or been anxious or struggling or wondering, and Lord, how are you going to provide? And I think it's going to be a very important teaching. It's an important teaching for me to understand this, that he cares for me. And he cares for you. And I can trust him. And what is it that I do when I do become anxious and I start to worry? Well, you don't want to miss this next week as Jesus continues to teach us about how to live for him, have a heart for him, to be blessed by him. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for this morning's teaching. And I thank you for those who are here to hear your word. And I think that we're here because you want, Lord, the people want to hear from you. And Lord, we know that you're our answer, the cross. And it was because of Jesus' love for us 
that he went to that cross. It was his love that kept him up on there, not the nails on that cross. So if you're here, maybe you think you're a good person. Maybe you think, well, I went to church. None of those things are going to save you. Have you made a commitment to Jesus Christ? Have you realized that he is the savior of the world and the reason he came was to save you, to seek and save that which is lost? That's all of us. And as you come to him, as you humble yourself and ask for forgiveness and for him to sit upon the throne of your life, you will be saved. It's by faith. He did the work. You come in faith. He paid the price. He cried out, it is finished. He did it all. The sufficiency of the cross to bring forgiveness and salvation as we come, recognizing our need to be forgiven, to surrender to the one who proved that he's the son of God by rising from the grave. You can do that right now. And you can pray, Jesus, I come, and I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I also ask, because I believe you died for me, that you are the son of God, sit upon the throne of my life my heart is my personal lord and savior and i thank you for bringing me here i thank you for dying for me bringing me into the family of god in this new beginning to give me a new heart i thank you for your love for me and i want to know you and walk with you all the days of my life in jesus name but for all of us as we're just going to end here in a minute that we would have a heart to live for the Lord. Lord, we need you. We can't do these things on our own. But as we turn to you, as we surrender to you, as we rely on you, Lord, we know that there's blessing and there's peace and there's joy. So in every area of our lives, when it comes to our service, our devotion, our praying, our giving, our finances, whatever it might be. We want you to be the master. And Lord, entrust it all to you. We thank you for every good gift. We thank you for, Lord, just everything you provided. And so, Lord, we can trust you. And Lord, we don't have to worry, be engulfed with just anxiety and stress, but just trust in you, that you do care for us, and you proved it by going to the cross. So bless everyone here right now as we go our way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being here. If you want to stand, we're just going to quick close. If you need prayer, I'll be over here on this side of the deck. I'd love to pray with you. Also, if anybody made a decision for the Lord, I'd love to pray with you as well. So Wednesday night, Book of Jeremiah, you don't want to miss it. Incredible study. 7 o'clock online only, and then we'll be back here next week for Sunday morning for Father's Day. 